Welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the snare campaign provocateur, the maestro of the money line. It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude? That's right. <laughs> you know, I used to gamble pretty heavily back in the day before all this draft kings when you used to have to know a guy. When you have to use know took, a king. <laughs> you used to have to know a guy who took numbers and paid. And uh, yeah, I had a couple years there where I was very heavily invested. I would bet. Almost every game, every Sunday, sit at the sports bars yelling at TVs and stuff. So uh, I much prefer getting on the podcast here <laughs> and offering my predictions rather than putting my cold hard cash on the line, you know? You know what's so funny? I think the whole gambling thing like missed me because I've been working these games for, for so long, right? Really, really almost for about 10 years now. Um that like, you know, when when people started to get the little bit of extra juice to kind of put on on the things, I, I always forgot about it. And I guess it's kind of too late before this podcast. So I mean, let me ask you this simple question, right? Yeah. Let's take a percentage. How many people out there are like, my team is on at one o'clock. All I'm watching from one to four is my team, every play, every snap, and not focusing on either fantasy or gambling. I think it's like, who's still a purist Ooh. football watcher? Like, what's the percentage? I. It's got to be, you know, it's it's with the older populations, with the older sixty five, I'd say, right? I mean, yo, those they love to gamble. That's true. That's I'd say like fantasy, maybe. Ooh, but, yo, like you brought you brought Atlantic City into people's homes. <laughs> That's right. You know? That's so, right. <laughs> like, it's too easy. Oh you man, see these apps. You open up the app and you can bet first score of every single game. All these ridiculous prop bets. It's I don't know, man. I, I see the way it works, and mm. I have actively taken myself out of gambling because I know my own impulses and, and things that can happen if it got out of control. Yeah. I mean, fuck, they are just creating <laughs> droves and droves of degenerates right now. Now, like, but when does the backlash come? Because there's going to be, you know, right now I feel like there's, like, a lot of, you know, like, Democratic or liberal governors. At some point, what does the common good overtake the need for tax revenue it doesn't mm. i think we're dealing in this case with one of those like overarching humanly vices <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. that we're gonna learn how to manage in a way but certainly not go away that's right i mean gambling is up there with prostitution alcohol you know, like all the things we've known are bad for us for thousands of years, but we will not get rid of because we just like it too much. Gambling is under that category for sure. So I think, I mean, you even hear it now, like all these people who, who run the uh, sports book ads, you know, they need to put the little blurb in there about if you're a gambler, call Gamblers Anonymous at 1-800-blah-blah-blah. You know, it's already in the narrative that this is a dangerous thing for people, yeah. but they're just making fucking money hand over fist. So are the teams. So it's going to keep happening. Well, you know who else made a lot of money last week, Benny? We did great in our first week of gambling. Oh, uh, eight, tied up. eight and seven collectively. So really that means that, that we're just beating Vegas every single week and that you should listen to us. And remember to the tune-up audience, the – Stakes of our final NFL standings 
and me and uh, Denny's money lines. We have not come up with them yet. That's right. So if anyone has a great idea about what Denny should do when he loses <laughs> his bet, then please write in uh, and let us know. This is how I take all of the suckers, Benny. I did this in high school. I did this in college. Nobody ever uh, thinks I'm going to win. And I you just... hustling me? <laughs> you hustling me? Is this Paul Newman? Color of money shit? What's going on? Uh-oh. Oh, man. I'll tell you Unassu- what. Unassuming, clean-cut <laughs> white guys. They always trick me. They always trick me. Uh, well, do you want to get into a segment that is almost about a lot of clean-cut white guys? Do you want to get into this day music history? I do, especially with that <laughs> setup. As the antithesis of clean-cut white guys, <laughs> on this day in 1980, Bob Marley mm. <laughs> plays his final concert. 20-song set at the Stanley Theater in Pittsburgh wow. with his group, The Whalers. Final Bob Marley show in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's kind of strangely ironic in some ways. But just after the performance, Marley, who was already suffering from cancer that had gone to his brain, collapsed and got taken to a hospital. The rest of the tour got canceled. He ended up dying about six months later. Uh, the last song he performed was a six-and-a-half-minute version of Get Up, Stand Up that closed out the encore. Respect. I like that. Mm. Uh, it was part of his uprising tour that, um, you know, that came to America. I think it only made it about a week before this happened. Something, though, that was really interesting to me in this was I hadn't realized uh, um, not the lack of popularity because he was very popular, but you would think, oh, Bob Marley's coming to America in 1980. He's probably playing an arena he's probably playing these stuff he was not the stanley uh theater in pittsburgh was 3500 cap Mm. um which is you know again sizable but not like certainly not a mainstream megastar kind of attention and then even on that tour he got to play two shows in madison square garden but it was as the opening act for the commodores wow um so yeah i hadn't realized that that until that bob that point that bob marley had uh you know, he's one of those pioneers who um, who's aging like wine and cheese, you know, like <laughs> people, maybe it was too revolutionary at the time, yeah. a little too progressive. Uh, maybe the music hadn't carried over quite as much. But, yeah, he got, you know, massively bigger now. I can imagine, uh, you know, the the level at which he sells records and people know him would would yeah. be an arena level now. So that was very surprising about that. But big ups to Bob Marley, one of the great inspirations of my life both of my children born <laughs> born to bob marley's music oh i i thought that you were gonna say you know conceived made to bob marley's <laughs> music I, I, you know what Maybe. there's a chance there's a you're chance. saying there's a chance <laughs> hey listen if the party shuffle was on baby you know? there's a chance oh benny you brought up wine and cheese and that brings me to my this day in music history and, and a guy who likes wine so much he wrote a song about it on this day in 1983 billy joel went number one in the uh. u.s with uh, Tell Her About It, hit uh, number four in the UK. And interesting thing about this song in his biography, The Life and Times of an Angry Young Man, Billy Joel talks about uh, when he first started dating Christy Brinkley, he says that she was the first person where he could ever be like, I, Billy Joel, could possibly have a soulmate. I guess that never occurred to him until then. Uh, so he, he wrote this song about his aha moment 
uh, when he met Christy Brinkley and all that stuff happened. Unfortunately, you know, you want to think that they rode off into the sunset, but if you're listening to this, you probably know that they got divorced in 1994. So, oh, pro- problem number one, Denny. Yeah. Classic mistake of the egomaniac. Let's frame the love song about how much you've helped me. You know, classic mistake. Who else has done that? <laughs> you know what? Off the top of my head, I'm not sure. But through the history of misogyny and in music, it's got to be vast. Oh, man. Going back to all, all the way to Romeo and Juliet. So yeah, I thought that was yeah. interesting for today. All right, first headline today, arguably the biggest trend in music right now is interpolation. I love that word, interpolation. Sounds like something bees do. Uh, Interpolation is essentially where records records are made and songs are put out, and they're borrowing beats and melodies from older hits. You know, you kind of have that callback action. Look at comedy influencing music right here. Artists like Olivia Rodrigo, Ava Max, Lord, and Doja Cat have all had chart-topping songs on platinum hits using the concept. Um, for those of you wondering, the big difference between sampling and interpolating is sampling, you're kind of uh, using something but switching it up. Interpolating, you're just being like, hey, here's September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. I'm just going to record new lyrics to it. Uh, so I think that you know we're in a really slippery slope. Uh, it's something we've talked a lot on this pod about about rights the songs and everything so benny i kind of want to tee you up with this um i think that this is here to stay because the record companies are profiting off of this but what do you think that this has to say about the state of artistry for people well it's complicated first i want to step back to your original statement calling interpolating borrowing sampling was borrowing Mm. this is just taking yeah This is literally just taking part for part, piece for piece, and throwing it into your own song. And the only reason that's possible is because of all the stuff we've been talking about over the last like year or two. So essentially, we've we've had story after story, right? Dylan, Stevie Mm -hmm. Nicks, all these people have been selling their entire publishing catalog for you know three hundred million dollars, five hundred million dollars. And one of the reasons we've been talking about it is making sense of why someone is paying that much money for this stuff. This is the original fallout of why that's happening because now they have the right with full ownership of this stuff, absolute and full control of these songs to take whatever you want, whenever you want and release it however you want it. So songwriting camps are not new. The idea of a lot of songwriters getting together in a room trying to muster up the next hit, uh, that's not unique. That's been going on forever. I know people who do it. Apparently, it's very bizarre. Hmm. Um, but, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's how this is done. And it's how when Beyonce has a hit, you see like 13 names credited with, you know, partial work on the uh, song. It's because of these camps. So... At first, I would like to be offended by something like this, the recording camps, the taking of music. But then, as usual, I dig into it, and I'm like, what did they bring to the table? (laughs) And apparently, you know, they were mixing, to speak of earlier, Bob Marley, Stirred Up was part of the mix. I'm sure his kids aren't going to be thrilled about hearing, you know, whichever pop star add at into the mix. The other songs they were working on were Closing Time and Life is a Highway. You know, like some of the worst, cheesiest yeah. 90s songs that exist. 
that I could give a fuck <laughs> if some young 18-year-old artist co-ops uses a hook from Life is a Highway that I couldn't stand in 1991 <laughs> and makes it better now. Like, who right. gives a shit? But, you know, the opposite is going to happen, too, where some song that you hold near and dear and that you think is a classic and something that means a lot to you, you're going to hear some repossessed version of it um, through a young artist. Now, part of the reason this is profitable for these companies, and it's not the record labels anymore. The record labels also sold this publishing. The people making this money on it are these private equity companies scooping up all the licenses. You know, I'm talking hedge fund money, like beyond me and you money, you know? <laughs> oh, thank you and, for putting me in your tax bracket. <laughs> you, know, <bro>. <laughs> <laughs> you got a beautiful apartment. I've seen it. But, you know, so here's, here's where I want to talk people off a ledge a little, okay? So one of the reasons this is very profitable for these companies is that since they own every piece of the music inside they receive royalties on the new artist production. Then they also own the previous artist one. So if all of a sudden 18 year old kids are learning who Stevie Nicks is going back and downloading her old songs, they're also making money on those downloads. So it's kind of like this double stream on uh, you know, like what happened to queen in Wayne's world or something, or, Ozzy Osbourne being on a Post Malone record, like, you know, a generation of people were opened up to a former band because of this. Now, this is the reason why we're pinpointing the reason why these companies spend so much money on these stuff now. This was part of the plan was to reintroduce these songs, repackage them for a younger audience. The thing I want to do to take you off a ledge is who cares? And the one thing I want to talk about is like when I walk around and I see a little kid in a Nirvana shirt, Smashing pumpkin shirt, replacement shirt, some band, of course you didn't see. <laughs> These people were long dead or broken up before you ever would have had the chance. But I don't look at those kids and go, oh, fuck you. You should be wearing an Olivia Rodrigo shirt. I look at those kids going, yo, rad. <laughs> Nirvana's still around. The replacements are still around. Rock and roll's still <laughs> around. Music I love is like converting to the next generation and staying relevant. Why the fuck should I care if like rich people are getting richer and all this, you know, like I don't want to get into the minutia of that with music. I am stoked if like a legion of 18 year olds out of nowhere are like replacements fans. That's fucking cool to me. And that's something that can happen to this and make it stay relevant. So even though fundamentally I'm not into the fact that like the artists don't own their music and aren't making direct money off it, they really never fucking have. And this is just a new way this is going. And I want to think of it as an older self-righteous, non-self-righteous kind of guy. And, 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 see it as the passing of the torch to a new generation and take myself out of the hmm. corporate aspect of it. I mean, I'm just going to kind of bring it back to the music. I'm kind of bummed out by this because 
I mean, I, I, I have to imagine, I mean, like, like I've never been a part of making the songs like you have, but I, I imagine when you're putting together, like, 59 Sound, it's like, like oh, there's the lyrics, and then Alex comes in with the, with the guitar, and then the bass, and then you come in with the drums. That's magic, and that's not happening. And I think that there's some sort of, like, I mean, call me, like, uh, naive to be, like, some sort of soul of music of, of these future upcoming songs if this just becomes the norm. Well, let me bring up this. Yeah. So some of the things we call the most, and I've said it a hundred times myself, some of the most authentically recorded music you could ever hear was Motown. Mm -hmm. You know, was these extremely perfectly well-rehearsed musicians playing stuff live, playing it from the beginning to the end. What were they often playing in there? Covers. Mm. those were mostly covers mm -hmm. mostly songs written by other people meant to deliver to the mainstream audience right mm -hmm. using these artists as a vessel to get your music out to the mainstream audience and it's one of the things we consider the most authentic practice that there is in music so you know if that's in tow and you're giving songs to young artists young bands you're giving them material they're still smart. They're still talented. They're still working on the music in their own way. It's just like not five white dudes with long hair sitting in a smoky room lashing out riffs. <laughs> it just looks different, you mm. know, but let's, I think we should try to keep that in check a little. Okay. All right. I, you, Benny, you've successfully talked me off the ledge. You've, You've How am I it. always, you know, <laughs> come on. I'm the one tied to Gen Z here. You know, I, I should be, I should be the asshole about it. Talking about, you know, the authenticity of Boston. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. You know, that always gets me. I, I feel like I always end up being the curmudgeon, but that's okay. I'm here for it. We all need a curmudgeon. That's right. See, I'm a curmudgeon without a curmudgeon around. Ooh. When okay. a curmudgeon's around, I go to try to, <laughs> my default is to, to bring positivity into the mix. So I think this is good for us, Denny. When we first met, Benny was like, oh, here's this wide-eyed white kid, clean cut, at the time, very short hair. You're like, oh, this kid's got to be as idealistic as possible. Now he now, now he's trying to be like, the world's not so bad. So Well, amazing. and on the reverse, <laughs> you probably saw me. You're like, look at this tattooed, old, crusty. Zero expectations. And, and little did you know, I'm like a nine-year-old kid on the inside i love it just pure and fluffy and i want everyone <laughs> to love each other you know oh man well benny you, should Speaking we travel which, <laughs> should we Rosas. Tra <laughs> <laughs> zero love zero Speaking love of, up there in Michigan. a lot of love though <laughs> A lot of love, too. He's got a lot of love to give, apparently. All right. Well, the story that we're talking about, the Minnesota Timberwolves announced a shakeup on Wednesday with firing of president of basketball operations, Gerson Rosas. Rosas is reportedly out for two reasons, a culture he created that allegedly was toxic and for an inappropriate relationship inside the organization, which is funny because the new ownership group in Minnesota is Alex Rodriguez. Okay, yeah, cool guy. Yeah, yeah. But with the, the other interesting interesting thing but when they hired rosas they were they brought him in to fix a toxic culture so this right. culture that has been bad in minnesota has been like that for a very long time there's 
only a couple ways, you know, this obviously wasn't amicable because they had to tweet out the toxic uh, culture stuff, the extramarital affair happening with any organization. But if you're A-Rod and Mark Lowry, Lowry, however the heck you say this Walmart CEO's name that is now in basketball, you don't want to start like this because they've already alienated Carl Anthony Towns. He tweeted out when this news broke, WTF. Yeah. So it seems like there may be new ownership up there in Minnesota, but it's more of the same. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's like it's one of those things that it's not necessarily the wrong decision with all the information coming out. But how it's happening is is fascinating and bad and not good, you know. Uh, if you're having an extramarital affair inside the office and taking said woman out to other teams' ball games yeah. in Minneapolis while you're still married, I mean, it's a bad look. Bad. Doesn't fly. Uh, you know, I thought the team itself, even though still struggling, was starting to head in the right direction. You finally you know, landed on a, on a draft pick with Edwards last year. And you're adding him to this, this core with, you know, towns and Delo if he ever plays Beasley, a Kogi, Jaden McDaniels, you know, like a lot of youth and a lot of interesting young players. Um, but I think we're dealing with a situation as usual. That's like, some mixture of Lori and a rod's group and Glenn Taylor doing back room rich guy stuff. Huh. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it was just like some agreement between the new ownership group and Taylor. You know, apparently they started doing their due diligence on Rosas before the takeover had obviously decided he wasn't their guy was going to fire him anyway when they came in. So I think when this story came out with the with the women and the acrimonious relationships inside of the office, I think they saw like an opening to be like, all right, let's get him out now. Let's get the ball rolling. Let's do this. Call Glenn. Hmm. He can make this happen for us before it happens. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Um, the only other thing, and this could, you know, maybe lead to our next uh, point after you make your points about this is like, I do wonder with all these young assets and flexibility Minnesota had was Ben Simmons in play here somehow. And was Rosas either very pro or very anti Simmons and the people coming in were not, um, that could be part of it because this is on the table right now. And you have a, you know, all-star NBA player on a full contract, ready to go to another team if someone over there in the new ownership group is totally in love with Ben Simmons being a wolf and Rosas wasn't, that that could be in play. He reportedly, I think it was WCCO in Minneapolis, reported that Ben Simmons had nothing to do with this. I don't know. The whole thing stinks to me. Uh, they're, they're using the same, I mean, outside of the affair happening, they're using the, the same thing that forced Tibbs out of town, and it's just tired at, at this point. And I get A-Rod wanting to come in and make a splash. But, you know, I, and they did their due diligence. He wasn't the guy. And full disclosure, we've had Gerson on the show. From all accounts, solid guy, right? 
I just really struggle when we're bringing in people having extramarital affairs as to why they're going to lose their job. Now, if it was like a power dynamic How thing, many owners in the league? Or yeah. how many GMs in the league right now are having an active extramarital affair? I mean, I'm, I have no idea. But, a lot um, of that. <laughs> but it's like, now, if it, was, if, if it was a like position of power, like this woman reported directly to him and, and that was there right, 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 right post Harvey Weinstein. I could like, you can't tolerate that, but if so it, you think, so you think this extramarital affair part of it is like the Patsy. Yeah. Like this was, they just found this little nugget that they got to use against this person, but who's doing it then? Who's, who's like orchestrating? This? Who's leaking this? Oh, if, if, if or like who's, who is anti Rosas that has the ability to do all this right now? I mean, it would have to be the two new guys because if, if this has been happening for a while and Glenn Taylor was just like cool with it, I mean, that's been the only change. It screams A Rod. It screams A Rod. <laughs> and for him to do that after how he left his first wife and then <laughs> reportedly would, oh, it's shaky. Screams A Rod. And Jeffrey Laurie's been shady a long time. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, also, shit, like, you have Carl uh, Anthony Towns tweeting out WTF when this came out, and now all this, and A-Rod's history. Hmm. Like, yeah, this is, this is starting ugly. This is starting ugly. The thing that Minnesota needs more than anything is stability. Let's start there before you can actually win games. Get a president and a GM and a coach there for more than five years. And and, and then you, know you can make this all this. What? Anthony Edwards being like a top ten player in the next two yeah, years. Yeah. That guy's pretty much <laughs> the best interview in the NBA. So if he pans out on the court, everybody's gonna be happy soon. Uh, well, speaking of someone that isn't happy, you touched on him before, Benny, Ben Simmons. According Not to ESPN's happy. Adrian Wojnarowski, the Ben Simmons team has told the Philadelphia 76ers that he will not report to the team's training camp next week and does not plan to play for the franchise ever again. Dr. Rivers the other day on ESPN say, said that he very much will, is looking forward to welcoming Ben back into the fold, um, which is you know him just trying to get a a guy yeah. who still is an elite defensive player. Yes. But I think where the criticism of him after the Hawks series where he passed up that shot, I think all of that was kind of the final nail in this coffin because I, and and this is a news flash to all of these kind of northeast cities that take take sports a little bit too seriously, especially Philadelphia. You're not gonna keep players if you keep treating them like this. I like now. Now we can't just like kiss their ass, but you you can't like question. You can't run them out of town. Yeah, you either. can't run people out of town anymore. Yeah. This isn't Charles Barkley. Um, yeah. But Benny, I'm gonna pose it to you like this: What type of situation should Ben Simmons be hoping for in his next stop, if if that happens? I, I mean, I, I at this point with the double down. And him refusing to play and turning into this situation, it no longer means he gives a shit where he goes, which I, it's kind of commendable in a mm. way. You know what I mean? <laughs> like this guy's about to leave a lot of fucking money on the table, making himself some sort of pariah in a way uh, to go to maybe Sacramento to maybe Minnesota, like, like the, all options are on the table for him right now, which I kind of respect that in a way. And, the part about it now, now, you know, from doing this show with me, I'm not a Ben Simmons guy <laughs> here. I'm not a Sixers guy. I'm not a Ben Simmons guy, but this is one of those times. I don't, 
out of all the cases we've been dealing with for the last few years of players wanting to get out of their city, this is maybe the most unselfish one I've seen. It's not about the, the, the contract. It's not about that. It's about the fans turned on him. The superstar player turned on him. The coach turned on him and the GM basically turned on him. So like, what kind of choice did they leave this guy at this point? Yeah. I mean, he was supposed to start game one with Embiid with, you know, uh, still not with the ability to shoot. What was he going to come out next year? Like Steph Curry and just be a different player. Yeah. That seemed like the only thing that would get the monkey off his back in Philadelphia. It's just not going to happen. Right. You know? And I think he maybe came to a conclusion, uh, before we did which is like, this is the kind of basketball player I am. Stop waiting for me to change and use my value for what it is. Yeah. And at this point, his maximum value cannot be optimized with Joel Embiid as your primary piece. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of as simple as that. It's, it's, it's been like this for a long time. Like you're dealing with, a semi point guard, but more of like a glorified four who can cover one through five on the floor and handle and, uh, and dish and basically do everything at an elite level, but shoot. And bead needs the exact opposite yeah. around them. You know what I mean? And, and having another facilitator who needs to go inside to do anything offensively, obviously wasn't working. So it comes down to a basketball thing. I don't like this kind of like, you know, uh, half-ass kind of attempt to save face by Embiid and Rivers that they're doing. Embiid going, oh, he's my guy. I'd love to play with him. Numbers don't lie. You're full of shit. Doc Rivers knew exactly what he was doing after that game uh, where where Simmons gave up the dunk, saying that, is he is he your point guard of the future? I can't answer that question right now. You literally just signed the guy. For, for like five extra years, and then you're saying right after his biggest playoff snafu, nah, I'm not sure this is our guy. They did it to themselves. You, you're going to make me be a Doc Rivers apologist again. You know, we got to protect our own out there, out there on Wisconsin Avenue. Uh, no, like, <laughs> I think, you know, any coach heat of the moment after being eliminated, that's a tough spot. Like, if he says, yes. He's locked in to that, and he, you can't go back on that. So to say no comment, that's not like, no, I, I think he should be out of here tomorrow. But it's just that. I can disagree more with that. If he I wanted. Mean, if, if you make the statement like, you know what? Ben Simmons had his worst game as a pro. He's got a lot to work on, yeah. but he's our guy. That's all you had to say. And saying not like saying yeah. nothing in a pitted question it's not like they were just like what's your opinion on ben simmons right. by saying they asked nothing. a very specific yeah. question is ben simmons your point guard of the future i don't know that's an answer man that's not that's not being a diplomat there i mean if you look at doc's history though in in, in answers he always tries to be diplomatic but you're right just say yes and 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 if it comes back that you need to move on from He's him smarter later. than yeah that. yeah it, not saying yes 
to me the saying no was was intentional yeah. it wasn't like some mistake in the post game he's like all right you know what i'm fucking done with this guy yeah so it's gonna be interesting to see where ben simmons goes i would love to see him in charlotte actually i feel like philadelphia would love gordon hayward and to kind of make that little switch i feel like kind of transition ben to more mm-hmm. of that gordon hayward role i think could be very interesting for that but yeah more guys with bad legs uh well do you want to talk about someone who has potentially had a bad leg my gosh, yes. we are we are just like a volleyball team today. Uh, let's talk about Zion <laughs> Williamson and New Orleans. Um, so there's a this is the, the this is the season the silly season that we love, uh, where these rumors come out right at the start of training camp, where you get all your questions for media day. But anyway, Benny, word out of New Orleans is that Zion Williams is not happy with David Griffin and the Pelicans organization. Uh, He's not happy with the Pelicans handling of his rehab during his rookie season that caused Mm -hmm. significant, and I, anytime someone puts quote significant tension in the article you know that they mean business uh it puts significant tension between the former number one overall pick and the team's medical staff so benny when stories like this come out uh it's always from zion's camp and Mm. always a player's camp because why would the pelicans want this out there so is this a warning shot from team zion yeah i think so i think so and as nice of a kid as zion seems i mean he's got the biggest power brokers in the world, you know, as far as basketball is concerned behind him, you know, exactly what they're doing and they can see the same exact thing that all of us can, which is like, what has this team done in the last two years to put Zion in a better position out there in the West? And, you know, he's in this unique position. I know a couple uh, prognosticators out there have been saying that Zion could be, the first one to turn down his qualifying offer and, and test free agency a year early, which I mean, it's hard to see because it's like, you know, do I give up the hundreds of millions of dollars to make 17 million and risk my legs being broken? Like it's a risk, but he's so young. He's such an athlete. Like maybe he's the guy that takes a chance. So I don't think it's that much right now. But I have a feeling it's a little premature. But looking over this roster, the conversation is going to do nothing but heat up as the season goes on. And that's the problem is like I have a hard time seeing this group come out and play in a way that we're going to get that. We're going to shelf this conversation. I think we're going to come out and we're going to see a team running out. uh, Let's see. In the guard spot uh, for the Pelicans next year, we're rolling out uh, Devontae Graham, Kyra Lewis, Nikhil Walker-Alexander, Thomas Sadoransky. That's for both point guard and shooting guard. Mm. It's rough, man. That's rough. You literally have no table setters (laughs) for a guy like Zion Williamson. The only useful bench player is Josh Hart. Only Murphy's a semi-exciting rookie. Um, so it's really, it's, it's Zion Williamson. It's Brandon Ingram again. It's, you know, Jonas Valanciunas, who I love. Yeah. I'm a big J Val guy. He's my dude, <laughs> but like, again, Steven Adams, saw the weird right? Steven Adams yeah. experiment last year. He's a much more useful offensive player than Adams, but still like, that's not the answer. That's not bringing you over the top in the West. So, uh, I don't think it's that much right now, but I have a feeling two, three months from now, 
uh, it's going to be a much, much bigger conversation. See, it, it's always a tricky situation when a team uh, lands a guy like Zion because it's like you were bad for a reason and you were bad um, whether that be, you know, we brought up culture a lot this podcast, uh, w- whether that's your culture. And so to think that just because you get one guy, everything changes. I mean, we saw this in the early years in Cleveland with LeBron. Um, and I don't think Zion is as patient as LeBron was in Cleveland, where you just kind of sit there and take L's, L after L. That's not how that's not how the social media era of the NBA works. You you are judged so quickly, and you could be out of the league if your reputation gets gets too bad. So right. I think that uh, and if we're looking at the Pelicans, they're they're e- they're easily a play in tournament team. But if you have Zion, that's not your goal. No, exactly, and and you're not seeing. You know, if I was watching Zion on a team here with uh, two or three other prospects that I deemed as important as him, or I mean, close to as important as him, maybe uh, a play-in year is is okay. Mm. Like the Hawks last year, or somebody, you know, like that was just playing with house money. You had all these kids; they're in the playoffs. You're like, fuck. As far as we go, we go. This is great. And next year is all set. He's just not going to have that situation, you know. Wrapping up the show here, it is time for America's favorite gambling segment. It is time where Benny and I beat Vegas and tell you the picks Vegas doesn't want to know. So let's cue the music. Let's get this party started over here. All right, going to Sunday, Sunday, Sunday at 1 o'clock. We have Colts. We have Titans. Titans minus 5. Benny, what do you like here? I like the Colts plus 5. I have a thing for Jacoby Brissett. And I have a feeling he might go off this week. So let's go Colts. I last week got screwed by a couple different numbers. I were like minus three and a half. This num- this five number cr- is crazy to me. So I'm going to stick with the Colts as well. Because this this number just seemed, as I learned more about gambling, this plus five, I don't even know what that is. Anyway, <laughs> moving on to the next game. Ravens, Lions, one o'clock. Benny, minus eight here for Baltimore. What do you like? I like the Lions covering. Mm. I like the Ravens to win. I like the Lions to cover. They're playing a lot tougher than I thought. They have that kind of dynamic run game. Uh, you know, Goff's been handling the ball. I think think Detroit keeps it close enough to cover. I did not like what I saw from Detroit against the Packers, a team that in week one looked like ridiculously bad. And then the Ravens, you know, we've kind of had a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, I think that number is that way because, you know, they beat Kansas City and Lamar Jackson looked really good. So I'm going to ride with the hot hand. I'm going to go with Baltimore here. All right. All right. We got another fun one. Oh, we have Jameis Mac Jones in a uh, tune-up classic over here. We have New England minus two and a half. Benny, what do you like here? Uh, you're going to be shocked. You're going to go I think Jameis bounces back. That last <laughs> week was so awful. <laughs> One of those classic Jameis Winston games where you're like, why is this guy even in the league? <laughs> Which means next week is the game you go, wait, am I seeing the best quarterback I've ever seen in my life? And I think the Patriots bubble is going to burst a little bit. Jones is still a rookie. Uh, someone's going to get to him. It's a nice defense. So I, I like the Saints getting two and a half. Uh, give me New England. Give, I'm all aboard the Mac Jones train. Give me all that MJ. Right up there in Boston. <laughs> All right, going to the Midwest now. We have Bears-Browns. Browns minus seven. Benny, do you like that number? No, oh. I don't. I don't. And come on, this is the, the intro to Justin Fields to the world. 
Uh, you know, I have no idea if they win the game or not, but this kid's a gamer. And um, I don't know. Chicago deserves a little a little taste of something nice. So I think that the Bears are at least going to cover in this game. I like the Bears to cover. They do deserve something nice. I went all in on fields last week. It bit me in the butt. So you know what, Cleveland, this one's for you. <laughs> all right, going to uh, do Bengals Steelers. Uh, we have Steelers minus three. Benny, what do you like here? Steelers are a mess. Yeah. Big Ben looks like me playing football. A <laughs> uh, bunch of injuries on the defensive side. I think Bengals bounce back. I like the Bengals plus three. Ooh, you know, I'm 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 just gonna try to ride with Mike Tomlin over here. Um, give me the Steelers minus three at Heinz Field. Another Heinz Field special. Imagine if that becomes a thing. Like I pick them at Heinz Field and then just start losing. Um, yeah. <laughs> that just seems to be my thing. Oh. Benny, I'm looking at a glorious number right here. The New York Giants, for the first time all season and probably for the rest of the season, minus two and a half, favored to beat the Falcons. Sunday, 1 p.m., what do you like here? It's it's the New York football Giants in this game. <laughs> Listen, they looked pretty good last week, and it was kind of a freaky situation. Uh, Atlanta cannot defend, and New York's offense kind of started coming together last week. I think it's going to be a lot of scoring, and the Giants are going to take this one. People, 70% of the audience on, on over here has picked the Falcons. They really like that number. I can't go against Big Blue. I've made that mistake too many times in my life. Give me Giants two and a half. All right, uh, j- just about rounding out the 1 o'clock games here. Uh, Chargers, Chiefs, Chiefs minus 6.5. Benny, what do you like? I like Chiefs to cover. Me too. I think... Uh, going to be a shootout but i I think chiefs are going to win this game by at least a touchdown uh cardinals jaguars uh another one o'clock game here cardinals minus seven and a half benny what do you like i like this to be an absolute shellacking (laughs) for the cards i think they really put it together on offense murray's on all, all all cylinders so i like them to cover Urban Meyer still on USC watch uh, as we go into this. Yeah, Came out sure this week is. saying, every told Vic Fangio of the Broncos, every single team, it's like playing Alabama every single week. Well, what yeah. do you expect, Urban? Give me Arizona minus seven and a half. Mm-hmm. All right. Washington football team, Buffalo Bills. Oh, that's a gritty-ass matchup right there. Bills minus seven and a half. Benny, what do you like? You know what? When I was first doing this... <laughs> I, I put it together where I'm like, you know what? I like Washington to cover here. Yeah. I think they'll cover seven and a half. And I just had this icky feeling when I was about to say it. And I don't think it's right. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going with the Bills. Nobody goes into Orchard Park and pushes the Buffalo Bills around. Give me the Bills minus seven and a half over here. All right, moving to the four o'clock game. Dolphins, Raiders. Raiders minus four. Benny, what do you like? Uh, Raiders all the way. This team yeah. is starting to click. Got all these fun pieces around. I think uh, I think this year is going to be part of the, the Raiders show. Love it. This, this is what the NFL <laughs> needs. They wanted Vegas. They've wanted it for years. Before you know it, it's going to look like Biff Tannen's world <laughs> and Back to the Future too. I just don't know how you have that expensive of a stadium, that kind of city, and the best sponsorship you can get is like a budget airline allegiant i just don't know how that happens anyway yeah, oh, don't you know how people get to vegas <laughs> that that was a good point you could get you you're supposed to spend no more <laughs> than like 75 bucks get into town 
That's that's the whole point. It's always been cheap to get to Vegas. So something like Allegiant makes is a lot of sense. The most famous airline to get in to Las Vegas International. And all the money is meant to go to the tables. <laughs> and all of the money should be on the Raiders here. Tua got hurt last week. Give me the Raiders. I like that in a lot. All right. Other game at 405, Jets Broncos. Broncos minus 10 and a half. Benny, what do you like? It's it's not going to be that bad. You know, like this is one of those deals that what the, is the kid going to throw another four interceptions? <laughs> Probably not. Um, I think the Jets have a decent little running game going, decent defense. I have no idea if they'll win or not, but it, they'll keep it respectable enough. It's not going to be 10 and a half. I like the Jets. I feel like I'm going to get screwed by this number as well because it, it, it's always a half a point that does it too. But yeah, mm-hmm. give me. Oh, as my voice cracks there, that shows you how confident I am in it. But give me the Jets, minus 10 and a half. All right, 425, Seahawks, Vikings. Seahawks, minus one and a half, tight one. Benny, what do you like? I mean, I think it's kind of a push. It's a tight game. Mm. I expect it to be uh, right down to the wire. But I I think the Vikings are going to pull this one out, so I'm going Vikings. Oh, I'm going to go with Seahawks. You know, I'm going to go with Seahawks. uh, um, 425 also, Buccaneers, Rams. Bucks minus one and a half. Benny, what do you like? This is a, a classic example of the week three bubble, you know, where we overvalue and undervalue teams way too much after the first two weeks. I still think the Rams are uh, amongst the class of the league. I think the Bucks, their their bubble has to burst just a little bit and come back down to earth. So I'm taking the Rams. Are you kidding? Tom Brady can get fresh juices that he doesn't have to fly in from California. <laughs> Give me the Buccaneers minus one and a half here. Oh, man. Fresh fruit. <laughs> oh, no. Because God knows they don't have fresh fruit down there in Tampa, right? All right. Uh, Sunday night football. Uh, Packers, 49ers. 49ers minus three and a half. I, I, I don't know. if I'm not betting against Aaron Rodgers. Until I have to bet against Aaron Rodgers for the rest of the year. <laughs> he looked like a, a man on a mission. He's figured things out. Uh, yeah, I'm going. I'm Packers all the way on this game. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, we both went against the Pack last week, and it's the reason why we're not having a better record here. Give me Go Pack Go. Give, give me that bad man, as Steve, Stephen A. says. Give me that Packers number. And now, wrapping up this. Eagles, Cowboys, Monday Night Football. The Mannings will be tuned in, but will you? Uh, Cowboys, minus three and a half here. Benny, what do you like? i tell you what I won't be tuned into. This game. <laughs> the two grossest teams in football playing each other. This is like watching like those two shitty jocks fight in high school. You know, you're just, you're just hoping they both get beat up somehow, you know? Uh, but I got to say, for the sake of football um the cowboys should uh should take this game fairly handily i think the cowboys will win this but i think you know it it, it's uh one of these old school classic matchups i I feel like cowboys are going to win it by a field goal kind of eke this one out so give me uh give me the eagles plus three and a half over here i like this we're different on a lot of them this this week should really separate us. I love it. We'll separate the men from the boys. And I, I, I hope, given my lack of facial hair, I stay in the boys category. Speaking um. of which, Denny, <laughs> you know what happened to me when I was washing my hair earlier today? What happened? I found just a new patch of, gray. of ear hair ear that hair. I'm just terrified to see. I was like, oh, God, it's <laughs> happened. 
I'm 40. I'm growing patches of hair in weird places now. It's going to be rectal screening soon. I always love those commercials on ESPN for that like little like nose trimmer thing. And Dude, I need it. <laughs> I need the thing. Buy buy me one for Christmas, Daddy. Oh, uh, or Do audience, get me a nose trimmer. Or the, Daddy need, they can Daddy come needs. in and sponsor the program. Just straight up. That's nose why. I don't, that's why I don't use good light in this room. Uh, well, if you want to, if, if if you or someone you know knows a nose trimming company and you want to sponsor the podcast, Please. email us at the tuna podcast yeah. at gmail.com. I will fucking chill for you. <laughs> Two peas in there. Benny's going to need it. Me, not so much. But uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at the tune up hq on that instagram tiktok we're everywhere uh please rate subscribe review apple spotify the reviews help a lot and try to be nice but at least give us a five stars please um please subscribe to us on youtube as well great stuff going over there um a lot man people love commenting on on our pete davidson joey ramone ramone conversation that 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 is the most engagement going on yeah (laughs) it's so crazy i gotta i gotta look at that all right um nervous i'm nervous (laughs) if you want to follow the big man he is at benny horowitz one number one in your mind number one in your heart number one on twitter i'm at danny underscore gallagher benny you got anything else yo everybody love everybody i mean it the show's ended go in peace you've been listening to the tune-up (laughs) 